Peace, peace. We are back once again with Masterminds with Brother Shemel, and I am your host, Brother Shemel. And I'm really excited to get back with you uh, once again. And um, I'm also glad that I'm able to do this um, a lot sooner from the previous uh, episode than I usually do. Um, Usually it takes me about a month (laughs) to get back uh, with another episode. But I said to myself, I was going to find an opportunity to give you content more frequently and more consistently. And I just want to take the time out before getting into our new episode to just um, give my heartfelt gratitude and thank yous to every last one of you who um, supported me on the last episode. Um, It did really well in a short span of time. Um, The response was really greater than I expected uh, in this series. Um, pertaining to Kabbalah and we're keeping on with the series that's why I'm going to go into um, part three with this and um, I I just really have to say I'm sorry part three part four I think we have part four I'm sorry Um, I lose count (laughs) the part three part three we're getting into now Um, before it was part two but we are uh, continuing on with this, and I'm just glad to say that um, the support has been overwhelming, um, so much so that it's just putting a spark in me to just go ahead and just go in, you know, and this is not scripted, so um, a lot of things I have, there are research I put up, but as, as far as how I really go with this and really just give it to the people is um, really from the heart and just how it comes to me how I'm inspired so once again I'd like to thank all of my supporters all of my listeners out there Um, from what I've gathered I have listeners in quite a few different places Uh, I just want to give that special note Um, various countries not just the U.S. Uh, I'm talking places like Nigeria, Philippines, Singapore, Germany, all over. And, um, you know, it's really touching to know that this information is really getting out to you. So I'm going to do right by you, put this information out, keep it going. And, you know, you're welcome to give me feedback. Please do Um, send me an email. You can do that. Um, Send an email to uh I've got a couple of emails but you can go to send it to shim45 at hotmail.com um, that's one that's probably the easiest email to send it to me and you can just um put in reference masterminds with brother shimel and I definitely will respond give me your feedback tell me what you think um, I'm open to suggestions on episodes and topics to cover. Um, eventually, I plan to get back into the um, interviewing again, getting different hosts, and we're going to kind of expand. So I'm really excited on what the upcoming months and the next year will bring. So without further ado, 
I want to get into the next part of the series on Kabbalah, which of course is Elohim, the fall of man and Kabbalah. And if I'm not mistaken, this is part three. And this will deal with formation. Last episode, we dealt with creation. This will deal with formation. And the formation, uh, the Hebrew word is Yitzira. Um, so we're going to go into some, some writings. As always, first, I like to start off with reading from the Circle 7 to give a foundation, a basis on how I will um, expound on this. So without further ado, I'm going to go back to one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Circle 7, which is Chapter 1. But I'm going to start from the middle of it, um, where it talks about the seed. And um, if you have a Circle 7, you can just follow with me. It says, now, seeds are perfect, as perfect as the source from which they come, but they are not unfolded into life made manifest. The child is as perfect as the mother is. So man, the seed must be deeply planted in a soil that he might grow, unfold, as does the bud unfold to show the flower. The human seed that came forth from the heart of Allah was full ordained to be the Lord of the plane of soul and of the plane of things made manifest. So Allah, the husbandman of everything that is, threw forth this human seed into the soil of soul. It grew apace, and man became a living soul. And he became the Lord of all the kingdom of the soul. Hark, now let every creature hear. The plane of the soul is but the ether of the spirit plane vibrating not so fast. And in the slower rhythm of this plane, the essence of life are manifest. The perfumes and the odors the true sensations and the all of love manifest. And these soul attributes became a body beautiful, a multitude of lessons man must learn upon the plane of soul. And here he tarries many ages until his lessons are learned. Upon the boundary of the plane of soul, the ether began to vibrate slower still, and then the essences took on a final garb. The perfumes and odors, odors and the true sensations and the all of love were clothed in flesh, and man was clothed in flesh. Perfected man must pass through all the ways of life, and so a carnal was full manifest, a nature that sprang forth from fleshly things. So I just want to stop there. And I also want to take us to 
chapter three of the circle seven, which is Elihu's lessons, the unity of life. And I'm just going to read three verses, which is verses five to seven, where it says there are two selves, the higher and lower self. The higher self is human spirit clothed with soul made in the form of Allah. The lower self, the carnal self, the body of desires is a reflection of higher self distorted by the murky ethers of the flesh. Now, I want to focus on that because it gives you uh, an insight on the world of formation, right? As I mentioned, the Hebrew word is Yitzirah. And um, it's important that we know exactly what that realm is and how it comes into play with the fall of man. So it's this is the third of the four worlds. So just give you that uh, of what we mentioned before as we talked about. There are four worlds mentioned in Kabbalah. This is the fourth world. So uh, we start with Etziluth, then it gets to Beria, and then after that, it goes into uh, Yitzira. So keep in mind, this is a fall. This is this is a um, descending, if you will, where the being has become more dense. And I'm going to um, make reference to the Circle 7 in that aspect as well. Um, And I think I spoke about this before, but I'll get back to that in addition. So one of the things is that in the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, right, um, that many who are vaguely familiar with Kabbalah know about, Yetzirah, that realm is associated with six sephira. Um, that's Hesed or Chesed, Geburah, Teferet, Nizak, Had, and Yesad. These emanations, because that's what a sephira is, these six emanations are known as in Hebrew. Zeir Anpin, which is um, also known as the lesser countenance. Um, basically, it is a revealed aspect of the omnipotent in Kabbalah, um, dealing, comprising of um, those emotional uh, emanations, sephira. So it's, co- it's called what they call the small face in Kabbalah, right? So that's um that's a that's a little deeper into kabbalah um that we can get into a little later but just understanding that there's a correlation with that world of formation and um certain emanations within the kabbalistic tree of life so also it corresponds with the the letter in the Tetragrammaton, right? It 
uh, corresponds with the element of air. As I mentioned previously, um, the elements of air, earth, fire, um, air, earth, fire, and water, or I should say of, of fire, water, earth, and air, is mentioned in chapter one of the circle seven. We spoke on that before, right? It deals primarily with the soul level of the being, okay? Which is why I, I got into that part of the chapter one that dealt with the um, getting in from spirit to soul, right? And because remember, while there are three major planes in that's mentioned in chapter one, there are subplanes of that, which uh, if you know about the book, um, the Kabbalion, right? It speaks on the subplanes of the major planes. So each plane has subplanes to it. Um, it is said that there are seven subplanes of each plane to be exact. So you have the three, the law of the three and the law of the seven in work right there. So keeping that in mind, like I said, it talks about the plane of soul. We went into the um, the kingdom of the soul, become man becoming a living soul, right? And then the soul attributes becoming a body beautiful and that multitude of lessons that man must learn upon the plane of soul and where he tarries many ages until his lessons are learned. And upon the boundary of the plane of soul, the ether began to vibrate slower still and then took on the final garb, which is that garb of flesh. So that's very important. And while we're getting into there, and also um, Yitzhira is dealing with the sign of Aquarius in astrology. So just it deals, um, which is the water bearer, which ties into that verse in the book of Luke, which speaks about the water bearer, which for y'all who don't know, y'all should y'all should definitely study on that. Uh, I may get into that a little later about that particular lesson, but. This ties into the emotion, the formation, the world of formation tied into the emotional body, which is the soul. So what I like to do now is go into the actual um, book of Genesis. OK. And I'll also eventually we'll go into the book of um, Psalms as well. But I want to go into the book of Genesis and get into that aspect of formation, because that's this is very key uh, when we when we have an understanding about um, this realm, this world of formation, because, and I was just speaking about this yesterday, last night um, in a meeting um, building with um, some people about this. There is a distinction that is placed um, between chapter one in chapter two, as it pertains to man. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, the statement is made and God 
said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And then in verse 27, it says, so man created, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them, right? So that deals with Beria. And you notice the word there, God is Elohim. We spoke about that before. Elohim, and you know this is plural because it says, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. You know, as I said many times, you know, it would be, it wouldn't make sense that God is just talking to himself like, you know, uh, like he has mental issues. You know, there's obviously a group of people in the word Elohim is a plural word, the Yod and the meme on the end of it which is translates to that I am in English denotes plurality, right? And I have a whole book, Who is Elohim, that speaks about that. But again, that is Genesis chapter one. When you go to Genesis chapter two, specifically Genesis chapter two, verse seven, you see a, a little difference. Here it says, in that verse, it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Now, that living soul, we also spoke about that in Genesis. I mean, I'm not Genesis, but um, Circle 7, the first chapter of that. Man becoming a living soul. So the question I asked was, what's the difference between the two? Obviously, there's, there's some differences. One, we mentioned about God, that's Elohim. Here is the Lord God, which is Yahweh Elohim. That's a difference, which also um, is a compound of, of Jehovah or Yahweh, I should say, the Tetragrammaton and Elohim together. That is a representative within the Elohim. That's it. And then when you get on later into Genesis, God is dropped off and then you just have Lord. <laughs> you follow? Actually, in, by the fourth chapter, when you get into the fourth chapter, the first, first verse, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, not the Lord God and not God. At that point, it's just the Lord. It's just Yahweh or, or anglicizing to Jehovah, right? That's singular, okay? By the time you get to Cain, the birth of Cain, it there is no more Elohim involved in, in the process of dealing with Adam and Eve, at least, and there's no Yahweh Elohim or Jehovah Elohim in there. It's just Yahweh or Jehovah at that point. So there's a transition of position, right? And you'd have to know the Hebrew to understand that. 
and to why there's different it's different stages of changes going in in there so and in 2 verse 7 of Genesis there's a forming of man of the dust of the ground in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 right in 27 specific more specifically there's a creation in verse 127 one, I mean, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, there's a creation. God is creating man in his own image, right? There's a creation. Elohim is creating. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Lord God, or Yahweh Elohim, is forming man. There's a difference, and that goes back to what's in the Kabbalah. You have the world of Beria, which is the creation Right, that world, and then you get into the world later on of what's called Yitzira formation. Okay, so you're getting from that thought process of that seed, right, of man, then growing, manifesting into taking on the soul formation. And I went into the whole aspect of. In chapter three of Circle Seven, about how the higher self is human spirit clothed with soul, made in the form of Allah. And this is important because now we have an understanding exactly of what it is that is taking place with man. Man is going through stages. Right, he's transitioning from the stage of what is known as creation, which I mentioned before is that growth process starting from a seed, and then he gets into the stage of what's known as formation from creation to formation. And I was just telling somebody this last night that. You can exist, right? But yet and still, you are not formed. You exist, you were created, but you have but that which you are to become, you haven't formed yet. That's why it says in Genesis 2, verse 7, that man became a living soul, is a becoming. From being to becoming. That means there's a transformation. And that transform, again, transformation to change form. But before the transformation, there's an information to be go to be put in put in form. Right? To take that which is formless and to put in form. Which is very important. And um what I like to do. Um, in this first half is I want to read a section from my book, What is the Higher Self, that speaks on that very um, question about how can you be um, put in the form of a law, right? That's very, that's very, um, it's very important. And um, because a lot of people doesn't, do not understand that concept about um, being made in the form 
because we were always taught that, you know, that which doesn't exist, you know, somehow, or creation rather, it takes place, you know, basically in um, kind of a spooky way. And I want to kind of dismiss that. Um, There's a lot I really want to get into as far as the aspect of this whole thing with the, um, the form of life, which we don't talk about much because we, we think of creation and coming into being based on, um, how we was raised in the church, which, you know, is a starting point as far as many of us, as far as how we're taught, but it doesn't give us the full picture. It does not give us exactly what it really takes. So I'm going to read from page 50 of my book. The question is asked, um, how can Allah, who is omnipresent, have a form? Answer, Allah has a form, form insofar as Allah possesses structure. The etymological root of the word structure comes from the Latin structura, which means a fitting together adjustment, a building mode of building, figuratively arrangement order from structus, past participle, um, <laughs> the past participle of struri. I may have messed up that word, <laughs> which means to pile, place together, heap up, build, assemble, arrange, make by joining together. Related to the word meaning heap, and it goes on, okay, um, going all the way back to the Sanskrit word, um, stranoti, which means to throw down, um, also from the Avestan star, meaning to spread or stretch out, okay? So, with that said, the form of Allah is the arrangement or order of Allah by which the essence of Allah has spread out. Let me repeat that statement. So the form of Allah is the arrangement or order of Allah by which the essence of Allah has spread out. In order to better comprehend this explanation of how Allah has a form, one should take time to ponder the mystery of water. Question, what is the mystery of water? Answer, water is unique in how it acts in comparison to other substances. It symbolizes personification. The etymological root of the word personify comes from the Latin persona, meaning mask. So, when spirit man personifies, he puts on a mask, which is a form. So, keep that in mind. So, your persona is your mask that you put on. Personality, all of that. All you're doing is put it on a mask. That mask is the form that you took on. The self operating behind the mask of personality, of person. Okay? Water itself is colorless, that is, the unseen, yet it manifests as liquid, solid, or gas. Water is simply the product of two gases, hydrogen and oxygen. 
in actuality, there is no such liquid as, quote unquote, water. That which we call water is simply the result of a slower vibration, slower rate of vibration between two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. The liquid and solid, in this case ice, are each a manifest. The manifest is the illusion. This phenomenon dealing with manifest is clearly explained in the Holy Quran of the More Science Temple of America, chapter 7, verses 14 to 18, which state, again, Lamas asks, what do you say of power? And Jesus said, it is a manifest, is the result of force, it is but not. It is illusion, nothing more. Force changes not, but power changes as the ethers change. Force is the will of Allah and is omnipotent. And power is that will and manifest directed by the breath. There is power in the winds, a power in the waves, a power in the lightning stroke, a power in the human arm, a power in the eye. The ethers cause these powers to be in thought of Elohim, of angel, man, and other or other thinking things directs the force. When it has done its job, the power is no more. So this is very important to understand in terms of formation. And there's a lot more to go deeper into this, which I will go into our second half. Now, before I continue on uh, with the subject matter pertaining to the world of formation, um, as I went into research on this topic for this episode, I found out that I really can go a lot deeper into this um, because one of the interesting facts about um, Yitzira is that there is actually a, a Kabbalistic book, um, one of many, but one of the earliest Kabbalistic books, along with the Zohar, is a book named um, entitled Sifa Yetzirah. And that book alone um, can be covered by itself in one episode. Um, and really, all of these subject matters, it could, you can use multiple episodes to touch on one particular uh, aspect of Kabbalah. So I will actually dedicate an entire episode just on that particular writing and um, I think that will do it justice because to kind of cram it in in this episode would not do it justice and I definitely want to do right by my listening audience so um, be on the lookout for that particular episode to come but continuing on um, I had read from the circle seven in reference to the aspect of power and force and the illusion in connection with formation. Um, So just to be understood that water is something that contains power, right? Just to give the analogy that I was giving. However, it is the ethers that cause that power to be. 
So when the force has done its work, the power is no more. And you can see water abundant throughout the cosmos. Spirit and soul are likened to water in this sense. Spirit and soul, in this case, symbolized by water, consist of the essence of the omnipotent which would be symbolized by hydrogen and oxygen. Remember, hydrogen and oxygen together is what water is composed of. So in turn, they take on the form of the flesh, fleshly body, which would be, in the case of water, would be take on the form of the cup, the bottle, etc. So this... Um, ties into a famous saying of the late great martial artist Bruce Lee who said quote be formless shapeless like water now you put water into a cup it becomes the cup you put water into a bottle it becomes the bottle you put it in a teapot it becomes the teapot now water can flow or it can crash be water my friend so that's a famous saying of Bruce Lee so, in reference to the higher self, the higher self is the embodiment of truth. Truth is all, all, is a lot, as taught in more science. So, the higher self, it, the higher self itself is that embodiment of truth made in the form of a law, what we call a law. And again, every nation has their own name for the omnipotent. Uh, the other name we give the truth is Holy Breath. So this Holy Breath or Holy Spirit resides in the fleshly body of man. Man is breath made flesh, taken on form. Right? And all of this, of course, is explained in chapter 7 of the Circle 7, verses 1 to 3, which state, Among the priests of Jagannath was one who loved the Jewish boy. Lamas Brahmas was the name by which the priest was known. One day as Jesus and Lamas walked along the plaza Jagannath, Lamas said, my Jewish master, what is truth? And Jesus said, truth is the only thing that changes not. In all the world, there are two things. The one is truth, the other is falsehood. And falsehood is that which seems to be. Now truth is ought and has no cause, and yet it is the cause of everything. Falsehood is not, and yet it is the manifest of right. Whatever has been made will be unmade. That which begins must end. All things that can be seen by human eyes are manifest of ought, are not, and so must pass away. The things we see are but reflexes appearing, while the ethers vibrate so and so, and when conditions change, they disappear. The holy breath is truth is that which was and is and evermore shall be. It cannot change nor pass away. Lamar said, you answer well. Now what is man? Man is the truth and falsehood strangely mixed. Man is the breath made flesh. So truth and falsehood are conjoined in him and they strive and naught goes down and man as truth abides. So it's important to note that the above passage states that man is truth abides when naught goes down. That is, when the lower self is subdued. 
Okay? So thus, the lower self is subdued and man himself endures as his higher self. This is the result of man meditating and concentrating on his higher self in, as such. Okay? And um, to quote, um, give a quote from a book entitled God Man, the Word Made Flesh, uh, which was written by um, Dr. George Carey. It gives the following metaphysical breakdown of man. It says, quote, the human body is a house, temple or church for the soul, which may be lost or saved by the higher self or spiritual ego residing in the cerebellum of the, quote, secret place of the most high, unquote. Right. And then you have that saying, know ye not that your bodies are the temple of God. Okay, so. This explanation coincides uh, with the circle seven when the Egyptian Adap, a master, Matheno, was teaching John the Baptist about the mission of Harbinger. Okay, so if you go to chapter four, the circle seven, verses 17 to 22, it states, men comprehend the inner life by what they see and do. They come to Allah through ceremonies and forms. And when you would make men know that sins are washed away by purity in life, a right symbolic may be introduced. In water, wash the bodies of the people who would turn away from sin and strive for purity in life. This rite of cleansing is a preparation rite, and they who thus are cleansed comprise the temple of purity. And you shall say, you men of Israel, hear, reform, and wash. Become the sons of purity and you shall be forgiven. This rite of cleansing and this temple are but symbolic of the cleansing of the soul, which does not come from outward show, but is the temple within. Okay, so man's main goal within physical life is to build the temple of perfected man. Okay, so before I go any further, I just want to touch um, clearly on the root word of uh, Yitzhirah, which is Yitzhar, which is actually in the the verse that I read before, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where it says that the Lord God formed man. And that's what it actually means. It literally means to form or to fashion Yitzhar. And that's in the strong concordance uh, number um, three, 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 five in the strong concordance. So when you look that up under three, 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 five, you'll find that word Yitzhar. That's where you get um, Yitzhira from that root word. So, and all in the second chapter, you'll find that word um, where it talks about forming, forming man, forming the beast. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that is also um, a translation of that word is fashion and also potter. P-O-T-T-E-R. Now, some of us who uh, may have gone to church growing up or maybe still go to church have heard about the sermon about the potter's wheel. 
So that is a very interesting um, sermon where it comes from, if I'm not mistaken, um, Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 to 9, where it says, Jeremiah received the Lord's word, go down to the potter's house and I'll give you instructions on what to do there. So I went down to the potter's house. He was working on the potter's wheel, but the piece he was making was flawed while still in his hands. So the potter started on another as seemed best to him. Then the Lord's word came to me, house of Israel. Can't I deal with you like this potter declares the Lord like the clay in the potter's hand. So are you in mine house of Israel? Okay. So it goes on. That's the, that is part of that sermon or that message that they bring in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse eight, it actually, um, I'm sorry, not, not that verse, but, um, it, it will say, but, oh, in 64 verse eight, it says, but now Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are our potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Okay. That is in context to the formation back to that Lord God forming man out of the dust of the ground. Okay. And in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 16, it says, you have everything backward. Should the potter be thought of as clay? Should what is made say of his maker, he didn't make me? Should what is shaped say of the one who shaped it, he doesn't understand. So again, it's a reminder that that which is, has been formed should not think of it so higher to be higher than that, the source from which it came. In the questionnaire, in the Morris questionnaire, the first question that is asked is, who made you? The answer is Allah. The next question, who is Allah? Allah is the father of the universe. Next question, can we see him? No. Next question, where is the nearest place we can meet him? In the heart. So that which exists in you, within you in your heart is that which made you, that which formed you. Okay, going back into that higher self being spirit, human spirit, clothed with soul, made in the form of Allah, once again. So, another interesting thing in reference to this, this aspect. Now, remember earlier I said that Yitzira is corresponding or it corresponds to the zodiac. Um, um, the zodiac age, um, the age or the sign, the astrological sign of Aquarius. Now, this is important. And I said I was going to get into the aspect of, of Aquarius. So the first thing I want to know, well, well, first thing I'm going to get into, I said I was going to show you where you can actually find um, the Aquarius age in the Bible, actually in the book of Luke, uh, I believe 17, 17th chapter. Um, and I'll go into 17th chapter, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm going to go into there while I'm actually pulling up this. Because there are people who know about this, but this is not commonly spoke of. 
And I think this, and when I ever tell people about this who are not uh, knowing of this, their their mind is blown. And I can go into all parts of the the Bible that can speak about astrological ages. Um, but this is just one of them. And I think that will be uh, very important for people to understand in reference to um, into that information. And because, let me see, give me one. And I'm pulling it up. I'm literally, I'm literally pulling it up. Actually, it's not 17. I, I apologize. It's actually Luke 22. There we go. Luke 22. And I'll actually start from verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, where will thou that we prepare? Basically, um, where will you go that we will prepare? 10 verse 10. This is chapter two, verse 10 of Luke. And he said unto them, behold, when ye are entered into the city, they shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the good man of the house, Master, saith unto thee, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready. So it's literally talking about a water bearer. The Aquarius, sign of Aquarius, is symbolized by the water bearer, a man bearing a pitcher of water. Enter in, uh, follow him into the house, astrological house, house of the Zodiac that he enters into. Keep in mind, before the astrological sign of Aquarius, you get Pisces which is symbolized by the fish and all throughout matter of fact, the first um, symbol of Christianity is the fish. As I mentioned um, numerous times um, in at various different times um, that that fish symbol was actually two arcs inter intersecting, creating five angles. That's the two and a five. And then you have, the um, two fish and five loaves of bread. Two and five is seven. That's the secret science behind that of the Piscean age getting into the Aquarian age, right? Or what some people may say, the Aquarian gospel of Christ in that aspect. So um, that being said, also you have... Um, in reference to that, the the fashioner is connected with the ancient deity in Kemet, known as Khanum, K H N U M, right? 
Now, Kanum is also depicted as having a potter's wheel and also holding a jaw, which flowed a stream of water. You can actually pull up and see different pictures of, of this deity in both positions. One with a potter's wheel and one with a jaw holding one. So that ties directly with the the Kabbalistic world of Yetzirah, right? Fashion, formation, the astrological sign of Aquarius, okay? And also, remember, this ties back into Kanum is a creation god, is a creation deity, a formation deity, um, known to be uh, make human children by the potter's will, form placed in the womb of, of the mother. He is known as the divine pot, potter or the Lord of created things from himself. Okay. Now, it's also interesting to note that in the 15th chapter or sort of the Quran of Mecca, Quran of Muhammad, um, Surah Al-Hijra, which means, Al-Hijra means the rocky land. Um, on the 26th verse, um, it speaks about um, Allah and the angels, the we, the Elohim, we created uh, man and in, depending on which translation it will say that it either used black mud, it used clay in the Pictal it says verily we created man of potter's clay of black mud altered okay and in the Shakia translation it says and certainly we created man of clay that gives forth sound of black mud fashioned in shape. That's the fashioning. That's the formation. That's the theater. Okay. So these are very important points um, to note, um, basically in reference to formation. You have formation. This this description of formation of what they call fashioning. Yetza, Yetzira, in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, in the Quran of Muhammad, in the in the Circle Seven or the Holy Quran of More Science Temple of America, you have, and also in the ancient Kemetic or ancient Egyptian um, um, pantheon writings dealing with that. This is a common theme, a common story in reference to man coming from the formless into form, which is very important to understand uh, because if we don't have that uh, clear comprehension about that, then we're kind of lost in, as to what it is within the fall of man. Remember, I said that man is truth and false is strangely mixed. That formation of the physical flesh is that falsehood. That is that which begins and can pass away. 
And then going back, as I mentioned, man's goal within physical life should be to build the temple of perfected man. This temple is a temple that no man can destroy. The temple of perfected man is mentioned in the circle seven, specifically in chapter five, verses 14 to 21, which state the following. We use the square to measure all our lines to straighten out the crooked places of the way and make the corners of our conduct square. We use the compass to draw circles around our passions and desires to keep them in the bounds of righteousness. We use the axe to cut away the not the useless and ungainly parts and make the character symmetrical. We use the hammer to drive home the truth and pound it in until it is a part of every part. We use the plane to smooth the rough, uneven surfaces of joint and block and board that go to build the temple for the truth. The chisel, line, the plummet, and the saw all have their uses in the workshop of the mind. And then this ladder with its trinity of steps, faith, hope, and love, on it we climb up to the dome of purity and life. And on the 12 step ladder, we ascend until we reach the pinnacle of that which life is spent to build the temple of perfected man. Right? So, this temple of perfected man that we're looking to build, that no man can destroy, is built up by developing our higher self from within. Right? Because that's the perfected man. The flesh has flaws. The humanity has flaws in it. The ego has the flaws. But the true building is the building of character. Right? Uh, One of the things we say, teach in the Morris Science Temple of America, about nationality is that nationality is defined in law as that character equality that arises from the fact of one belonging to a nation. So that means even though a person can have the semblance of truth or they can look like they're of a certain nationality, the true test of whether they have the nationality is their character. You know, they can dress the part, they can talk the talk, they can um, have the name that um, reflects some sort of nationality, but if their character is not matching that that's connected with their ancient forefathers, their ancient mothers and fathers, then they don't really have that nationality. That's why we also teach that, um, that the nationality was taken away from the Moors because they strayed after the gods of Europe of whom they knew nothing. Strain after gods is strain after the ideals. A man's ideal is his God. What he perceived to be um, perfect or the way to be. So in the, today's society, this new formation is, is being distracted and straying after ideals that, does, that doesn't connect with their ancestors, doesn't connect with their lineage, their heritage. And because of that, they suffer all sorts of slavery. Though we are no longer 
in physical slavery, many of us have still succumbed or still within mental slavery, which is even worse because, you know, at least with physical slavery, there's a way you can, you know, attempt to break out of it if your mind is right. But if your mind is mentally enslaved, you know, it doesn't matter what you do for that person. They still are trapped in that bondage. That's why it takes the right knowledge, the right wisdom, um, the right overstanding, the right comprehension of things to be able to break that chain and redeem yourself from mental slavery. And so we see here where man is put into this form as mentioned in chapter one and have to go through all of these lessons, right? Perfected man must pass through all the ways of life. And so a carnal was full manifest a nature that sprang forth from fleshly things. That's what I read earlier. This temple of perfected man it has to go through these ways. You know, it has to go through these worlds. It had to go from Itzilu to Beria to Yitzira, right? On down to Asiya, which we'll get into um, at another episode, a future episode, in order to be able to have a full comprehension of what it is to truly be one with the omnipotent, to truly be one with who we call Allah in the more science temple of America. You know, everyone has a different name, but to truly be one with the causeless cause and the rootless root from which all things have grown, um, to attain unto the blessed perfectness and be at one with that. So formation is that that other stage that took place in the fall of man before they got to the the world of action, which we'll get into at a future podcast. But these are just some of the aspects pertaining to the world of formation. And again, we'll get a, a lot more deeper into other aspects as well but I'm glad I was able to give you this information as always it's a pleasure I enjoy um, sharing this with you and I thank you for taking the time to listen until next time peace and love